0: It's Orlando with the KGW 3-on-3 Blazers podcast, and we're switching it up for this episode. You won't hear from Jared Cowley or myself on the Trailblazers. Instead, we're going to let you hear the entire press conference from Interim General Manager Joe Cronin, who discusses the NBA trade deadline and the current direction of the team. He was joined by Head Coach Chauncey Billups and President of Business Operations, Dwayne Hankins, on Thursday at the team's practice facility. Enjoy.
2: Thanks for coming, everyone. Here today to talk about the status of our team, specifically about where the roster stands after the trade deadline that ended today. Um, It had become evident to us that the roster had plateaued. It was a team that was built to fit a specific coaching style and a style of play that let me scoot this up. A style of play that we didn't feel was conducive to the way Chauncey and myself wanted to play. So with that, we were capped out. We were looking at a team that would have cost, would have been in the luxury tax by $15 million next season with not many ways to improve. So it was our decision to do a dramatic shakeup where we Our goal was to make multiple deals, to balance the roster, to create numerous tools and exceptions, and uh, severely pad our cap in order to transact moving forward. So that started with our deal with the Clippers, where that was an important one for us. We were able to acquire a young player we really like in Keon Johnson, get two quality veterans with Justice Winslow, Eric Bledsoe, and also picked up a second round pick. The deal was important for us because it got us out of the luxury tax this year which um, completely reset our repeater clock meaning we won't go back in even if we're in the tax in future seasons until at least 2025. And the deal also gave us a bunch of leverage in the next deals that we needed to make where um, teams would no longer hold getting us out of the luxury tax as part of the negotiation. So that was a good deal for us. Um, Next deal, we quickly pivoted to New Orleans, where we made a big trade with them. Um, Got a player we really like in Josh Hart. Got a couple of good young players, including one that's still here, Didi Ludauza. Um, Picked up a first round pick that has a chance to be a lottery pick. Couple second rounders, created a big $21 million trade exception, and severely padded our books this season and beyond. Uh, the next day, we did a trade with Utah where uh, we acquired Joe Ingles, who's a player that we really like and we value uh, his bird rights. And we also acquired Elijah Hughes, a nice young prospect. And furthermore, got another second round pick. The deal also got $5 million off our books next season, which was a goal of ours and a prevailing theme throughout our trades. So we have a bunch of different tools. We can be a cap room team. We can be a trade exception team. We can be a mid-level team. We have numerous ways to acquire high-end talent, specifically players that can earn more than the mid-level. So we feel like we're in a good position to build a roster that fits the way Chauncey wants to play, to create an identity here where we're defending and playing together, really similar to the team that we saw last night. So now we have a bit of a, a blank slate, and now you know, we did a lot of work the last few weeks and tearing it down is a lot easier than building it up. So now our challenge is to build it up. Questions?
1: Quick. Joe
3: said you wanted to balance the roster, but it still looks really weighted with the guards. Can you explain how it felt like to balance it? Balance it
2: for next season. So these all these transactions the last let's say ten days were focused on next season's roster. This season, it's still unbalanced, but part of this is injuries and going will be coming back and whatnot. And our full intention, though, is what does next season's roster look like? And we feel like that one will be much more balanced.
1: how long is your ultimate big picture plan going to take, mm-hmm. and how involved has Daniel Lillard been? Is he on board, or is he taking a wait-and-see approach?
2: Don't know yet how long it'll take. The goal is the sooner the better. We want to be competitive. We want to come out and play and win ball games right away. Sometimes it doesn't break that way, but our goal is to be aggressive this spring and summer and put together a really competitive roster right out of the gate. Um, Damien's been he's been great. We've been communicating. He communicates with Chauncey and I constantly, and um, he's fully caught up with what our plans are and were, and is very integral to, you know, discussions that we have. Yeah. Joe, it's come, on, come
1: along pretty quickly. Has it come along quicker than you thought, or pretty much how you thought it was going to go? Yeah.
2: Um, the, the shake portion of it went a little quicker than I thought. I thought some of it might carry over into the summer. Sometimes you just don't find the deals that are there that make sense, and you obviously you know, try to maximize each individual deal. So I thought there might be a few parts of our shakeup that weren't complete going into the summer, but we were able to basically accomplish all of our goals in those three transactions.
3: Okay. Joe, you, you talked about the different options, maybe be a Capro, trade exception. Have you done any intel? on that because cap room generally hasn't been a great way for Portland to go. So are you confident that the trade exception you have options?
2: Yes, and cap room isn't just in free agency for free agents like signings. You can also use it for trades as well. So really the cap room for us is a way to have the optionality in order to go above the $21 million trade exception. So we have the trade exception that you can – either trade and acquires with, or you can sign and trade free agents into, the cap room just gives us another vehicle to increase on that $21 million. So if we need to get to a $30 million number, we can back out further with the cap room, even in a trade. So that's one thought. And then as far as free agency goes, we're confident that we can go out and be competitive in our recruiting. I think with Chauncey Billups, me and Lillard, myself, I think that we will get in meetings, and we will paint a very good picture of this organization in this city, and we're not going to run from a couple of players that we think make sense here. Uh,
1: you mentioned
3: about kind of wanting to play for South basketball. So Chauncey, how, how have you felt these deals helped you play the brand of basketball you feel like you want to play?
4: Uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, the, the, the retool. Which is, you know, what we feel it is, I think it's in, It's already in full effect. Um, you look at some of the deals that we've made, I think you guys are all kind of familiar with how I've been, what I kind of like uh, to see on the floor in terms of uh, just playing together and just being competitive. I love competitors. Um, it's a big thing. I think all the best teams in the league, are heavily heavily loaded with competitors, and so you look at you know what we've done over the last week or so, and uh, we've 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 already started that ball rolling. Um, Josh Hart is the ultimate competitor, you know, in the game he competes on both ends of the floor. Um, Eric Bledsoe, who I'm very familiar with, competitor can really guard, can really get downhill. Justice Winslow, we've seen him last few games. Um, I mean, he's picking up LeBron James full court, you know, making it tough on him, competitor. So uh, I think we're off to a good start. You know, I'm very, very happy. I think Joe has done an incredible job in the short amount of time that he's had. Um, I think we like set a record for trading the most players, you know, at the deadline. Um, and it's all about what makes sense. You know, we're not just, he's not just making moves to make moves. Um, it, it makes sense. So I'm happy uh, with where we are. Um, he and I are, are, are very aligned. In fact, all three of us are all aligned um, on what we want, what we want it to look like, um, and our ultimate goal. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah.
1: Obviously, you made moves to create flexibility. but. A lot of fans are freaking out because they thought you could have done better with Powell and CJ. So my question is, was there attempts made to try and get the players that you want for Powell and CJ before you made the decision to try and create flexibility so really instead?
2: We had a bunch of different options on the table. I mean there was you know, when you're looking at building the next team roster, you know, eventually we're gonna take on money, you know, whether it was at this trade deadline or this summer. So if the player made sense for us, yeah, we were looking for more lateral kind of trades where similar level talent, maybe a different kind of position. Um, the way the marketplace shaped up, those were just the best deals that we could find. And both ended up being more of the young player and asset route. That wasn't necessarily intentional. It was just the the best the best deal that we ran into.
3: I guess this one would be for uh Dwayne, where is the, is there still a search ongoing for a a general manager or is is the job pretty much Joe's at this point? Yeah, I mean,
2: ownership's still in process of doing an equitable search for Joe's um, for this role. Joe's obviously a candidate for it and um, has obviously the keys to do what he needs to do for it. So, yeah.
4: Dwayne, when is
3: the date for season ticket renewals?
2: That's a good question. So in being aligned with all of these guys, we were originally set to launch the beginning of renewal on February 1st. And just knowing that things could change at the deadline, we really wanted fans to have a chance to look at what the team was going to look like post-deadline to be able to make that decision. So renewal will launch on March 1st. And then Joe, can you
3: speak to kind of what Aaron asked? I mean, it's hard for fans to look at these quality players going out not really get equal return, mm-hmm. obviously there's a grander plan
2: yeah. how do you sell them on that? initially we our sell is the assets that we got, so you know some picks, some young guys. Um, the flexibility is a tougher sell that is a you know you got to put your money where your mouth is, and so we just need time on that. We've got to get into the to the spring and summer to do so. We tried um, the last few days to get you know going on that to where we were really active pursuing higher end talent. Just nothing panned out this time. But we just have to be a little patient as to what the approach is this summer. So,
3: Joe, is the plan is there is the plan to keep uh, Eric Bledsoe for the rest of the season to maybe do something with that non-guaranteed salary of the draft night or is it buy out a possibility there?
2: Um, uh, the plan is to keep Eric Bledsoe through the season, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: over going forward for the rest of this season at least. Do you kind of, is your approach to kind of keep it simple with the players with the intention of like kind of implementing your vision more
4: uh, toward next season? Uh, No, no. I I, I started the season off trying to implement my vision and I'm going to finish trying to do the same thing. Um, It really, to me, uh, in terms of, you know, culture and our identity that we're trying to build. It doesn't really matter who's on the floor. We have to play that way. And I think, honestly, our young guys are doing a really good job of it, uh, in all honesty. So I'll continue doing the best job I can do, you know, and trying to teach, trying to develop. Um, and again, like I said, it's not just these guys developing. It's me, too. I'm developing as a coach. You know, I'm still a young coach, so. I make mistakes every game. I watch it after the game. I try to do better the next time. So um, this is all me too, you know. Um, so I, I'll continue just trying to, you know, I believe in how, what I believe in as a coach and, and what I think wins in this game and in this league. And I'll keep trying to teach that.
1: What was uh, the tipping point for you guys that caused you to say, okay, we've got to reset this thing?
2: Injury. I mean, Dame's injury and just Dame's continued struggles with that injury even prior. You know, you knew that eventually there was going to have to be some sort of resolution for it. I think even before that though, we knew that we weren't playing the quality of ball that we had hoped we would and that it just wasn't working. So you know, we were patient with it because sometimes, you know, teams go through, you know, dry spells or losing streaks and struggles. but. It was just the the makeup and mentality of the team just wasn't quite where we thought it would be, you know. And then certain things answer themselves, like cap-wise, we were just – we were in trouble, you know. We had kind of pushed all our chips in on that roster, and it was very apparent that we were going to be stuck very soon. So the thought was, okay, let's get ahead of this, and let's back out of it. And
1: what's the plan with
2: Nurkic? Well, he's going to be a free agent, so I can't get into those discussions about that, but –
1: yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: question for Joe. Uh, Can you give us some insight internally into the C.J. McCollum deal um, from the standpoint of the conversations that you had with C.J.? I mean, being such an important part of this organization for so long, what was that like talking with Dame and trying to keep the family together mm-hmm. um, because a decision like that could really, you know, upset your star player as well?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not easy and. A thank you to CJ McCollum, who was awesome for these nine years, one of the greatest trailblazers ever. We're going to miss him. Um, throughout this process, you know, I, we had been talking, let's say, for the last four or five weeks, of, You know, or thinking about you know, making changes. And we felt the best approach was to be very upfront and honest with CJ and work with him and his agency on finding the best place for him. Um, that's always not always practical, and you can't do that with every player. But to us, CJ was the type of player and person that warranted that um, opportunity to, you know, choose a spot that was, you know, a great basketball situation for him. So, you know, just over the over the weeks, we just really communicated, you know, myself and him and his agency, you know, and just constantly bounce teams off of each other and work through situations and. You know, it ended up to where it made sense for all of us, and New Orleans was a place that he thought was a great fit for him. And we were lucky enough to find a package that made sense for us as well. So um, it's really important to the Trailblazers that CJ and – that he separated from us on good terms, and we think that that happened, and um, it's an important part of a deal that isn't included in it, but it matters a lot to us. and. I know that we have a friend for life in CJ, and that's important.
4: i I'm going to take a question from the Zoom. Christos? Hello. Hello, everyone. Question from Mr. Cronin. Uh, how excited you are? How confident you are about the future of the movement, the progress of players like Anferni, Nasir, Plevins, CJ, this season as the games goes on so far?
2: Extremely excited. Um, we think our future is very bright. We think you know we have a elite player in Damian Lillard, and we have some really high-end young players. You know, Anthony Simons' emergence this season made it clearer to us that we had to you know clear a runway for him. We had to increase our cap flexibility, and we also had to give him every opportunity possible to thrive on the basketball floor. Um, Nasir Little. Was terrific before getting injured, and we're, you know, really encouraged by his growth, and think he's going to be an excellent NBA player. Um, we have a lot of young guys that are playing well right now: C.J. Ellaby, Dennis Smith, Trenton Wofford, Greg Brown. A lot of good young players that, you know, to Chauncey's credit, he's really empowered them. And you know, I told Chauncey three weeks into the job that I've never seen him empower, I've never seen a coach empower young players like he does. And I think that's showing now with the growth of all these, you know, 21, 22, 23-year-olds in in Greg's case, you know, 20-year-old. And we have another young one, Keon Johnson, and I expect, you know, he'll get similar empowerment, and I know we'll get get the best out of him and develop him the best we can. Sean? Uh,
3: Joe, Dane has his reevaluation coming up in a few weeks. And I know the line has kind of been that you guys are going to evaluate and see where the team is at as well as where he's at physically. But just given everything you guys have done this week, would you say the most likely scenario
1: is Dane doesn't play again this
2: season? I would say it's the most likely, yes. Um, physically, just an update on Damien. He's doing really well. He's on track with all of his rehab. We're about already four weeks out from surgery, so he's doing well and starting to do. A lot of cardio stuff, and I think you've seen he's been shooting a little bit, so he's doing well. Um, part of this, too, for Damien was just the, the mental break as well, and I think that's an important one, especially after you know the load he's carried the last nine years, specifically the last three years with these seasons running together. Uh, we want to make sure he's got the, the mental recovery necessary as well. So we're going to take it super-duper slow with Damien and make sure he's ready with next year certainly in mind.
1: He uh, he was talking about how much you empower the players. How much have
4: you enjoyed seeing the progress of the team and how much do you enjoy working with the players in that regard? Yeah. Yeah, um, I just love it. You know, it's one of the reasons why I got into coaching. It's because I love to teach and I love to compete, two things. And um, I can just remember being a young player, you know, in the league and really not. Not not feeling the love, you know, just kind of being left on that island a little bit to figure it out. And so, one of the things I said when I become a coach um, is, I'm just, I'm never gonna let those young guys feel that way, um, because you just never know what you have, you know, until you actually, you know, one, um, show up for them, and then two, you know, sometimes they get opportunity to play. I mean, in the perfect world, you know, we we have a healthy roster this year, and we're having a great year. Some of those guys y'all might not have seen play that much, you know, um I still would have been treating them the same way you know we, it just would have been on the practice court, you know for the most part, but you know it's crazy how things kind of shake out, and um they' get an opportunity to play um and play with some confidence like they once did before they got to this level before they like was at the bottom of the mountain. you know these guys have been the best player on their teams forever until they got here. And there's a mental component that comes with that. There's a confidence, you know, a, a blow to the confidence that comes with that, that they just need, you know, to kind of get back going. And uh, it's not just me, man, the staff. I mean, we, we our staff is just so strong, you know, as far as that's concerned, too. So we're doing a good job as a whole, you know, it just, like you said, just empowering them. Um, and you need to do that just to see see what you actually have. Go to Casey, then
3: we'll go to Jason. Uh, Joe I don't know if this is something you can answer, but like would you, could you put a percentage on how far along you feel like you are in terms of building this team where you want
2: it to be Percentage wise it's, it's tough, you know, and it's always a it's a constant thing and often you can't accomplish all of your goals in one off season, you know, like so right now, you know, we've we've created this this flexibility we Plan to use, but sometimes you'll need multiple off seasons to completely fine tune. You know, you just need all those different sets of exceptions and you know, trade potential things and draft picks coming through and all these things. But I feel like this was a major step for us to where, you know, the the self awareness portion was important for us saying, "Hey, this isn't the one. We need to make a different or we need to make a big adjustment here." So I think mentally for us, it's a huge percentage of it. But as far as the work that's left to be done, I would say that, you know, the bulk of the work still remains. You know, this is going the hard part begins here. Joe, just
1: to clarify, you kind of went big, big game
2: hunting today mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, the, this week specifically once we knew um, or thought we knew some of the pieces and picks and stuff that we were going to attain. So, yeah, um, did our due diligence, made a bunch of different calls, made some offers, and nothing worked out this time. But um, some of these teams will circle back to in the in the spring and summertime, and other opportunities will emerge in between now and then as well.
4: So it was more of a, you didn't want to give up your draft picks or players? or
2: just didn't Yeah, just the, the negotiations just didn't get to a point where it made sense for both sides at this moment.
1: Yeah. It almost seems like you guys have two plans going on side by side. One, rebuild around Dane if you can get advanced. trades like we just talked about, Big Fish. But at, at the same time, with Ant, Nassir, Keon Johnson, two lottery picks potentially, you can also shift to going completely young and just starting over. Is that sort of how you're tracking this? Like, you have
2: these options? And just really just a general thought of getting as talented as possible. You know, it's um, to win in this league, you got to have really good players, you know, where we have the style of play we want to achieve and this mentality that's really important to us. But at the same time, we need these players to be, you know, high-end talent. So... You know we also want this roster to be sustainable that it's not a you know two year wonder. we want this roster to grow and be continually competitive and you know sometimes you have to consolidate and aggregate stuff together to you know really push your chips in, but at this moment, it does give us some flexibility to you know both develop and compete at the same time uh
3: Joe, sort of speaking to what uh, Aaron. Was- Asking you about, like, let, depending on where your your own pick falls uh, in the lottery, is is, are you kind of thinking, you know, you would try to you know, take, you know, someone young there and develop them, or would you potentially use that pick to really, you know, have a have a big asset to trade for with somebody who's a little bit maybe more on Dane's, you know, timeline?
2: Yeah, it's something um, that you go through in the draft draft process. Like I would say, we're open minded to both. Like whether it's draft the player and keep him, or take that pick and see what we can get in the marketplace. But that's where the draft evaluation process comes in. It's like, okay, let's dig in and see exactly what we think we're getting at pick X. And then you make a decision, you know, and you weigh that against what you're able to attain with that said pick.
1: Mm -hmm. One of the issues with the Dame CJ backcourt was defensively. Mm -hmm. Do you envision the same issue with a Dame Ant backcourt or do you? To someone
4: else starting with Dan and Ant comes off the bench or do you just think Ant's gonna blossom into a great defender? Is that for me? Is that for me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think um there was more issues than that. Uh, let me just say that, you know, I just didn't think it was enough defensive players period on the team. Because um, a lot of times it's not just about the schemes. You know, it's about the personnel, and um, it was just a it was just a great, great offensive unit. That's just how it was built, and it was elite at that. Let's not get that twisted. It was elite, but um, it just it just wasn't enough defensive players. So it wasn't just the Damon C J combination. Um, and I think going forward, you know, with Ant, I mean, I, I've i I really challenge Ant. In ways, at a young as a young player, um, and I think he's making a lot of strides from a defensive standpoint. Um, but when you talk about the possibilities, you know that could happen with what we can do as far as structuring the team. Um, I think there's other things that, that hopefully we do, you know, that make sure that we protect everybody defensively, and we have a really, really good team defensive unit, you know. Um, Because there's, I mean, you really can count on one hand, man, where there's just locked down one-on-one defenders in our league, maybe one and a half. It's all about the team defense. You know, it's all about who you have around, you know, these guys. So I don't really look at it like an individual thing uh, like that. It's more the entire team. Any
1: more questions? Thanks, guys.
4: Thank you, everyone. All right. Thanks.
0: Thanks. So there you have it. The man himself, interim general manager Joe Cronin, addressing the local media at the practice facility following the NBA trade deadline. Jared Cowley and myself will have so much to say about the state of the team coming up on the next podcast. If you'll want more content, even down to the transcript of that press conference, we got it for you on the KGW.com website as well as video on the KGW YouTube page. Thank you so much for rocking with us on the podcast. We appreciate you so much. On to the next one. Better than ever. Take care, everyone.